0: Well, welcome to Midweek. I don't know what it is about these chairs. They're just not appealing. It's like the plague is on those chairs right there. I don't know. That's how it is. We are in the book of Ephesians, continuing our series entitled Vision. And if you open up to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to finish... Paul's prayer here, or the first part of his prayer. Paul kind of runs this prayer on into a sentence. He starts with a prayer, and then he moves into the little theology, and then he kind of goes back to a prayer. But it's all part of what's in his heart that's just overflowing. And and we start to really see this. In verse 15, as we read, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead And seated him at the right hand and in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way just a uh, chuck loaded full of things here i mean paul is just exploding here and it, it starts off with really a prayer for this reason ever since i heard about your faith in the lord jesus christ and that's the starting point your belief and trust in the lord jesus christ when he he heard about that prayer started it, it, it's a starting point for us to remember when when people come to a faith in Christ, we're just beginning to pray. It's not like, oh, I've been praying for you to come to the Lord. Well, no, when you come to the Lord, I'm praying for you because it is a starting point. I don't know about you, but I think probably the biggest need in my life and the biggest times of growth in my life have taken place after, I came to faith in Christ. I mean, I've got a story before, but I got lots of stories after that too. And our faith in Christ is just the beginning of this journey where Paul is jumping in, he's praying for them. And ever since he heard about their faith, he hasn't stopped praying for them, not only for their faith, but for their love for all God's people. You see, faith And knowledge in Christ is the beginning point, but it is supposed to grow into something. And the love for God's people is where it grew. Because you had faith in Jesus, it produced something. And what it produced was love towards other people. It's not enough to know about Jesus. James tells us that, that the devils know and they tremble. Knowledge isn't enough. Knowledge has to result into a life that produces something. And John tells us that how can you know God and hate your brother? You can't love God and hate your brother. If you love God, you will love your brother also. And so this faith in Jesus is connected to love for others. And that should always be Evident in us. If I'm declaring I have faith in Jesus, then it should be evident by how I care for others. And so Paul, ever since he heard about their faith in the Lord Jesus and about their love for other peoples, hasn't stopped giving thanks for them, remembering them in his prayers. And in verse 17, he says, I keep asking. I love that. I keep asking asking i keep asking that god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better i, I loved nt wright had a translation he says i pray that the god of king jesus our lord the father of glory would give you in your spirit the gift of being wise of seeing things people can't normally see because you are coming to know him. I love that. I I just, the idea of seeing things that people can't normally see. Have you ever gone into a movie theater after the movie started? I hate that, by the way. I I, I can remember when we were young, it seems like we'd go into the movie late and they'd say, oh, it's okay. We'll see the beginning. We'll just stay and see the beginning. It's like, that defies the whole purpose, you know? I know the end, I don't need to see the beginning. But if you go into the theater before the previews and everything are taking place and it's really dark, you know, when they're having all the previews, it's still kind of lit. But when you walk in, especially if you come in from outside and you walk into the theater and the theater's full, you know there's a lot of people, but you came late because it was full and you were beating traffic, I don't know, whatever. And you get there and you can't see a thing, right? And you're walking and it's like, and the worst part is, you know there are a lot of people in there, and their eyes have adjusted, so their pupils are dilated, and now they can see what you can't see. And they're watching you walk around like this. You know you're, you're walking in there thinking, "Oh man, okay, I, I hope I don't step on somebody." And they're just watching you stand there oblivious, because you don't see yet. But once you sit down and your eyes get accustomed to the dark and your pupils dilate and, and more light comes in, all of a sudden you say, man, it's, I could see easy now. I could see the steps. I could see all the people. And then you see someone else walk in and they're doing the same thing, right? They're just kind of standing there and you know what's going on. They don't see yet. They don't know what's going on. And what Paul is doing here, he keeps asking God, the, the Lord Jesus, of the Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He would give us understanding and the ability to, uh, to see what is not yet seen. That's what revelation means to reveal. What do we need to see? What what is it that we're needing to have revealed? What is it that he wants us to know? What is this revelation? He's praying that we would experience the fullness of what this Christian life is. That is, all the life that that God has for a person would be experienced by us. That's where he leads into this revelation of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us. And so he keeps asking God, and it's not just once, he keeps asking God these things. In verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, or excuse me, yeah, the wisdom revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. To know something. There are different ways you can know things. You can have information about it. You know, Eileen was showing pictures of their trip when they went on their honeymoon. And she had that fish. What kind of fish was it? Mahi, Mahi. A mahi-mahi. huge fish. She caught the biggest fish. She... She made a point that we all knew. She counted the biggest fish. And and I see the picture, and there's one picture where Lawrence gets to hold her fish because it was the biggest fish. And and the background, uh, it looks like it's a set. It looks like it's painted. I mean, it just looks like, that's unreal. That's not the color of water. I've been to the ocean, and it doesn't look like that, at least not out here. And you see, it's like, oh, I know that, yeah, that's the ocean. And I know that that's where you guys went. And I know that's a fish. But you see, she knows because she was there. She breathed the air in. She smelt the salt water. She felt, he felt the breeze on their face. They held that fish and they had an understanding and a knowledge of it because of the experience of it. Do we know God or do we know God because we're experiencing him in our lives? Paul isn't out to get us to understand more about God. He's not trying to give us more information. He's trying to bring us into relationship so that we are experiencing God so that the Spirit of God exhales and I inhale and I exhale and the work and love of God starts to take place in my life. And you see, for this to happen, we have to see that He's there. We have to understand. It has to be revealed to us how close God is Otherwise, he is distant and he's someone we read about in stories or we hear about from other people, but he is not someone who we are experiencing. And so Paul keeps praying that they would have this experience with God, that he would continually reveal himself to them that he would help them to understand who he is. And it's interesting because he says there, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is the spirit of wisdom? Is it another spirit? Is it the Holy Spirit? Well, we have the Holy Spirit when we have faith in Christ. And there's nothing in scripture that talks about us getting other spirits. So what he's talking about is our spirit. That our spirit would have this understanding and revelation. So here it is. it's You have something, you just don't realize it yet. Or, or maybe it's untapped yet. You ever see a kid and they're starting to to walk and they're standing up and they're wobbly legged and they're falling and they're, you know, leaning and it looks awkward and you know that they can walk. They just haven't exercised those legs yet. Or if you're learning an instrument for the first time and you're practicing, you know, unless you're some savant, it's always awkward, especially if it's a violin because it's loud and, and it's harder. You know, if you learned the auto harp, that one's easy, right? Because it says A, ding, and you press it. But if it's learning another instrument, it takes a little bit of time, and you have to practice guitar. Okay, i got to play this chord. And I remember when I first learned how to play guitar, I'd watch the teacher teaching, and he goes, okay, you do this. And it's like, man, he makes it look so easy because he's practiced. He's got this memory of how your fingers move and what, you do, and I don't have that memory yet. It's, it's not a part of my life. I haven't put it into practice. And so we have the spirit that God has given us, and our spirit are now united. And what he is asking is that this spirit that is already within us would actually be aware that it would have the wisdom and the seeing, the revelation, being able to see these things. And the whole purpose is that we might know him, experience him better. You can take that into any relationship and apply it. I've been married 30 years. I need to know my wife better. My kids, I, I need to know them better. Because I'm always changing. They're always changing. I'm always growing, or should be. They're always growing. And so there has to be an expending of energy to learn, to understand, and to see them better. And, and that's what we want. The, the wisdom and revelation Paul has in mind here is not this abstract theological truth. It's not something that he's trying to, to teach us. It's the secrets to unlock the supernatural mysteries of the universe are the insights and understanding we need in order to know God in relationship. It's something that we have to unlock within us. We have to practice. We have to exercise the relationship within us so that it can be something that is a part of us. They are given to us. They might even be received just intuitively, but provided we are receptive and responsive to these things, we come to know God as He presents Himself to us every moment of every day. Is God revealing himself to us or is it just something we learned back when we went to church? What about today? What about where you're at, at work or at school? What about your interactions with your friends? Is God present with you? Is he revealing himself to you in your life circumstances or, or are you limiting that to being something that is just sectional? This is my God life at church, and this is my work life, and this is my home life, this is my play life, or whatever it is. And we have these compartments, and God isn't seen in every af- aspect of our life. He, he's just invited into some. And, and Paul is trying to get us to understand the, the depth of God's riches that are here available. Our eyes need to adjust. We, we need to see. It's, it has to be revealed in us. It's not just something we know. It's something that we have to experience. The idea to know, it's an acquired personal knowledge. The word is gnosos. And the prefix epi means enlarged, or to enlarge that knowing. What we knew from a distance, we now can know up close. It's being enlarged. It's now being brought near. It's now intimate. You knew about God. You heard about him, but now he is here. Now he is near. Now you are experiencing him. He's been enlarged in your life. And and I think maybe it's just me, but I've been led to believe something that isn't true. Or I, I keep leaning to this way, and maybe you do too. Namely, it's that to maintain a spiritual life, it begins with what I know to have a spiritual life, a close life with God, I have to know the right things. And I have to know the truth. And so many sermons, so many books, so many seminars are all about filling us with the right information. You need the right information. You need the right doctrine. And right information is still right. Good doctrine is still good. But if it doesn't bring us any closer to the experience of God, then it's like what Paul tells Timothy. You're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, to the knowledge, the experience, the gnosis of the truth. And so often I I battle myself where I I need to get to know God better. Okay, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to learn some more about God, and that's how I'm going to get to know God better. But maybe... To know God better, it's not about the information. Everything that we really need to know about God is already around us, but what we need to do is have the spirit of wisdom and revelation open our eyes so that we can see, open our ears so that we can hear. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Maybe what I need to do is seek. Maybe what I need to do is ask. Maybe what I need to do is knock and and engage in this relationship with God to desire more, not more information to desire more of him. And, And I don't know why I tend to go in that direction. Maybe it's how I was brought up, but I always look at what I know information wise, what I know, Intellectual and think of that as how I am in my relationship with God. When really, it should be, how do I love? Because that is the evidence that I know. And so we have to have that revelation, that enlightening, that knowledge brought close and be dear. intimate to us and if we would have our eyes adjusted if we would see that what was once far is near if we would be able to see the invisible and understand that the God we have heard about is actually now present with us if we would have this ability to sense this then How would it change how we live and how we interact? That this reality of God is very close to us all the time. And he goes on and he says in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And this is actually a different word than he used before. This know is a different way of knowing. It's not the same one that's used in 17. This is, oh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Greek. It's the first was to see and perceive, to be aware. And it's also to grasp the meaning of something. The enlightenment is a wonderful experience, but it's not the goal. It's to enlighten us to experience something so that we could now understand it better, that we could understand what he has for us, what he's called us to, this glorious inheritance. And so there is to be an awakening of what we are alive for, this hope that is there. The eyes of our heart are unveiled, And what a beautiful term, isn't it? The eyes of your heart. I mean, to think that our heart has eyes. And when we think of our heart, it's the innermost self. That deepest part of us. And there's so many examples in Scripture where there was a unveiling of Balaam and the donkey when all of a sudden he heard the donkey speaking to him and understood it was the angel of the Lord that was there stopping him. The donkey wasn't letting him pass. Paul, on the road to Damascus, when the light shined and blinded him and he heard the voice of the Lord and then Ananias went and, and prayed over him and he could see an unveiling. Or Elijah, when the armies are coming out against them, and him and his servant go out there and he says, it's okay, more are for us than are against us. And he goes, what are you talking about? Look at all these armies. He says, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden he could see the angels surrounding them. And there was an unveiling, this ability to see. And the eyes of our heart, Paul is praying them to into something deeper. He's praying that they would perceive what God has for them right now. In essence, his prayer is that we would know God and then through him come to know who we are. What is our inheritance? Is talking about what belongs to you. That glorious inheritance. And what this does is it changes our devotion and our commitment. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That innermost part of who you are. What do you love? That's where your heart is. And so, may the eyes of our heart be opened. May we see who we really are, what we really love, and where we are really in relationship with God. You see, God doesn't want to play games. It's easy for us to put on a show, but sometimes we perceive things, don't we? Especially if you're close to someone, you know when something's wrong. Everyone else could be oblivious. If My wife is upset with me. I'll know. You might not know. You might think everything's fine between us. And I know something's up. And she doesn't have to say a word. It's subtle. It's a look. It's a lack of words. It's a turn of the head. At just the right moment. You know, when I'm working with dogs, I I have to... Read, (laughs) yeah, better be careful how I transition (laughs) from that, you know. Dogs are nothing like my beautiful wife. Um, But one of the things that dogs do are dogs are very keen on what's happening. They're very perceptive. They have better vision, better hearing, better sense of smell. Dogs can actually sense and smell when someone's sugar level drops and they can go and get insulin. They train dogs to actually go and get insulin because the blood sugar drops. They have dogs that are able actually to sniff and find out if someone has cancer before we can detect it. And so dogs have this keen sense about them. And so I have to learn how to read a dog when they're looking at me to know what what I'm in for. And you can tell if a dog doesn't sniff, if a dog isn't curious about me, then I'm in trouble. Because curiosity is natural. It means, hey, I want to find out about you. When a dog stops and just stares at me and doesn't smell, it means I don't like you. I'm scared, I'm leery, or I'm going to get you out of my house. It could mean any of those kinds of things. And so I have to kind of perceive what's going on. I'll walk in the house and I say, you need to get a leash on your dog. And I go, oh, it's okay. No, you need to get a leash on your dog. Why? Because I can sense by what I'm perceiving something is wrong here. And once I start working with him, I don't want to get bit. And so there's this perception that we are to have with God, this understanding where we actually can perceive things because the eyes of our heart are are opened up and we are aware of the reality that something is happening here i am a child of god the inheritance of god is now mine and i should be living in that inheritance now and god should be working in my life and be aware of his working now not just later on when i die I got a phone call Monday morning. Uh, some old friends of ours from back in Little League called, and she called and said, my dad's dying. They found out he has cancer, and uh, she started crying on the phone. And she said, you know, he, I married her uh, son. I did the wedding for her son, and she said he really liked you know what you had to say at the wedding and I was wondering if you could come and talk with him. I said sure I'd love to and so yesterday morning I, I drove out there and he found out he has cancer and he found out that he might have weeks to live. And you know his body something started showing up and he just felt like man I, I don't know see what it is and sure enough This is where he's at, and so he's laying in bed, and he's come to the reality that he doesn't have much longer. And so, uh, as we started talking, you know, there is something that he is doing. He's saying all the right things. Yeah, I'm here. I want to be here for my wife. It's just about them, making sure they're all taken care of. I, I, you know, everything's good. I've got everything in order. But I'm sensing something. I'm sensing fear. And as time went on, I go, you know, I, I know you've got all these things set up, but how are you doing? His name's Skip, if you remember to pray for Skip in the family. How are you doing, Skip? Because I'm okay. But I was sensing there was more. And so I, I leaned into what I believe was there what I believe was being revealed to me, what I believe I could start to see that maybe I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And and I was leaning into the fact that, you know, your life is coming to end and that's a frightening thing. And we all have questions and we all have fears and, and I want you to be able to not shrink back from those fears but actually lean in and find God there instead of shrinking back and as I started to talk to him and share tears just started going down his face and he goes you know I I I realize how much I need this now and I was like yeah we we do it's unfortunate that when times are like this that we realize what's really important. It wakes us up. It's a shock to our system. as C.S. Lewis says that God speaks to us in our joys, but he shouts to us in our pain. And God's shouting right now, and he's telling you how important it is that you know him. And he says, yeah, I know. And so we got to pray and we got to lean into that. But I had to be aware of it because everything he said was just, he was holding a stiff upper lip and everything was good. But there was something else there. You see, and in our relationship with God, we, we need to experience him and then we have to have this perceiving of what he is doing and what he wants to do in our lives that we might know the hope which he has called us to, the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people, what belongs to us, the things that are ours now. You see, our our heart is going to determine the direction of our life and our motive, and the eyes of our heart need to be enlightened, and it needs to be connected to who God is. There needs to be unity in who we are, wholeheartedness, And God has given us a heart, but is the heart open to all that he has for us? And what Paul asks here is that we have the kind of spirit that is open to God. It's not that every Christian has a spirit and every non-Christian doesn't have a spirit, but the human spirit is either dead to God or made alive to him. Everyone has a spirit. But are we in communion with the Spirit of God? See, sometimes God even speaks to people who aren't in communion with Him. He's done it throughout Scripture. But we don't want to be one of those people who are distant. We want to be family. You know, he, he told me, Skip told me, that He can't even look at His daughter without crying sometimes. And she looks at Him and starts crying. Why? Because they're close. And when you look at someone you love and think, oh no, I I love you and I'm not going to be there for you or you're going to be gone, it just did something. You see, we're we're to bring bring this relationship with our spirit close to God so that we are family. The whole idea of inheritance belongs to us. And, And you see, when we lean into that, then we see that we start to enjoy the benefits of family the benefit of that relationship. You know, people who are dead in their spirit, that aren't living in fellowship with God, who have not been made alive, they need to be brought into that fellowship with the living God. They might hear his voice, like Skip was hearing loud and clear right now. God... God is telling me how important He is. Well, I I need to get you into this connection with Him. And we can because of Jesus. And you need to be brought into this fellowship with God. And it's all of a sudden like, that's there? That's been there all along? You mean this has been available the whole time? Have you ever been made aware of something that you just, you know, were blind to before and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's easy? You mean you can say just control C and it copies? You know, I was having to go to edit and go to this thing. I mean, I could just do this and it, it's that simple. And that's what trying to, we're trying to do here is bring into fellowship people and say, God is here now and is here for you. And this is now ours because he has brought it to us. And what Paul asks for here is that we have the kind of spirit that is open to God, that is near to God, that has been made alive to God, and that we can see and hear what God is saying because we're listening, we're we're looking. We can receive what God has for us because we're his family and we're close and we're intimate with him. And so what is the goal of our eyes being enlightened and our hearts being enlightened? It's kind of threefold. The first it is, is hope. He talks uh, right there. He says that you might know the hope to which he has called you. The second is inheritance of his glorious inheritance of his holy people. And the third is the power that he's going to give to those who belong to his son. he goes on in verse 19 and his incomparable great power for us who believe the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the right hand in the heavenly realms. And when he talks about seating on the right hand, he's talking about a position. He's talking about basically giving us an understanding. It's kind of a a declaration of what he means. It's his authority. And so he's talking about hope, he's talking about inheritance, and he's talking about a power. Note that this isn't something that... We produce, but all of these are connected to his hope, his calling, his power, his inheritance in the saints. How does Paul describe this? It's the riches of his glory. It's everything is just big. It's meant to help us understand that this is incredible. How powerful is it? Well, it's the same power that he exerted when Christ rose from the dead. How It's incomparable to anything. It's beyond our ability to understand. Well, then how can I understand it? You get to be a part of it. You get to experience it because it's too much for you to understand, but you can live in it. And again, we have to have eyes that start to see differently. They have to be adjusted to to where we're living now spiritually. We have to be in this... Relationship where now we can perceive things that before we'd have been oblivious to, but now they're loud to us. They're, they're ringing in our ears. Sometimes we can't ignore them. Go talk to that person. No, I don't want to bother someone. Go talk to that person. And, and as we keep exercising these things, pretty soon they become common in our lives and we can't ignore it. It's like God saying, Go talk to them! No, it's I can't ignore it anymore. Why? Because God is there. My eyes have adjusted. I see where I am. I see who I am in God. And so now I start to act on it. And now it starts to show up in my life. It's meant to. We didn't come to know Jesus just to enjoy heaven. We came to faith in Christ so that we could be, even as he says On here, he goes on and he says, verse 23 or 22, and God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The whole purpose of this is that we could continue the work he began. And that's where Paul is driving us the purpose of the hope, the purpose of our inheritance, and the reason that he gives us power, this incredible power, is so that we can continue the magnificent work. And if this is true, then there is no such thing as an ordinary Christian life. If this is true, then our lives are connected to this hope, to this inheritance, to this power. And if you don't see it, your eyes haven't adjusted yet. You haven't come to the realization of where you are already. And you don't need to learn more. What you need to do is experience God, recognize how close he is, and take what is already yours and start living it out. And so we are to seek after Him. We are to pursue Him. You know, the idea of seeking the Lord and waiting, I think, have lost some power. Seek is a prayer of focused attention. It can include rational, analytical thoughts, meditation, as we examine serious something about Scripture, It can involve fasting, not just of food, but of any normal distractions. But it's meant to go deeper. You know, sometimes it's kind of like an elevator. And at the top floor is this intellect. We're seeking after God. We want to know God. And so we're at the top floor. Okay, I'm seeking God and here's my understanding. Well, it's not here. That's not where your spirit and God's spirit need to connect. Okay, we'll go down a level and we'll go down to the emotion. Okay, it's not here where there's just the emotion and feeling of God. We need to go even deeper still. And you go down to finally where it's at your spirit, where you are aware of God intellectually, you are aware of God emotionally, but then there is the understanding that you belong to God. That... We arrive to a place where, in our spirit where we take control of our mind, where we take control of our emotion. Even as Paul said, we have weapons that are divinely powerful and destroying spectacular things in every lofty place that's raised against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, we come to a place where we recognize in our spirit and the core that this is who I am in communion with the living, powerful God. And what I'm doing is taking hold of the inheritance that is mine because of Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer for the church is his longing that we will come to realize that this same power, the power seen in the resurrection, is now available for our daily use. And for too many of us, I think, and probably same with Paul in his day, we're unaware that this power is available to us. But Paul is going to keep praying for us, for them. He says, I keep praying, and so we should keep praying. He prays with confidence that God will do this and increase us in wisdom and in knowledge, especially in showing <laughs> them the inheritance and the glory of who He is. I I'm amazed that I still get amazed when God Answers prayer. You would think by now I would, it, it should be aware. God does something and that's miraculous. No, it's just normal. That's just God. I, I, I there are so many times when things have happened in Korean and my life, especially with our kids, where an event will happen and, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Now that that's normal when God is alive. You know, one of my boys who was struggling just in difficult, difficult ways and eight months ago didn't know if he was going to live or not. Now is walking with the Lord and, and is seeking God and we're like, wow, this is amazing. And, and no, this is what God does. It's what he does in our lives. and And you see, the same thing was said probably about you at some point or about me at some point. And that's the norm. And when I pray now for someone, whether it's my children or a friend who is struggling, do I pray with like, oh man, this is so bad, they're in such a a difficult place, or do I pray with like, God, you are so near, you are so close, and they just need to understand what is available to them if they will open their eyes and see you. May I be used to help unveil that darkness and bring the illuminating truth of who Christ is to them and that they can now partake and be part of this inheritance, that they would see the power that is able to to raise christ from the dead do you think meth is too difficult for god do you think that this addiction is too difficult to god do you think cancer is going to stop god from revealing himself do you think there is anything that is stronger than what god is able to overcome Because the same power that was exerted when God raised Jesus from the dead is now here present with us while I talk to you on your cancer bed or when I talk to you in your addiction or when I deal with you in your struggle and your fear and your doubt. I am aware that there is so much more that is just raining all around you. You just don't see it yet. And you might be in despair because of your situation and the struggles and the pains that someone has inflicted on you. But I need to be aware and I need to be perceptive that God is doing something around you. Sometimes when we say we're going to pray for someone, I'm praying that God would take and put you through more difficulties and trials. I won't say that because then they won't ask for prayer. But sometimes that's what needs to happen. Someone can, hey, just pray for me, and I get a sense, I think you need to go through something. See, I'm perceiving God saying, I'm reigning all around them. I'm moving in their lives, and they just need to get here. And so I'm going to pray you get there. And maybe you just don't see past the struggle in your life. You just see right here, and I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The innermost part of your being would see how close God really is and you would have hope like he's given us, recognizing the inheritance that is yours now and the power that is available to all of us who are part of his body. This is just his prayer. This isn't even getting into what he wants to say. This is just how he opens up and prays. This is how Paul prays. I have a a lot to learn about praying and, and seeing things in the right perspective. Let's pray. Father, I like to try and figure things out. And sometimes, instead of growing, I actually stunt my growth by trying to figure you out and failing to recognize Lord what is already here and available to me and Lord I too pray for us here that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened Lord that we would recognize the hope that belongs to us the inheritance that is ours And the power that is available to us. Because it is your hope. It's your inheritance. It's your power. That's been given. And I pray for everyone here Lord. Those who are struggling with. Addictions. Father habits that just keep hammering at them. And Lord I I pray that they would. Recognize how close you are and that you would guide them in ways that will lead them to see your power at work in their lives. Bring people in their lives that can help them if it's something that is medical. But God, you can do this. It's not beyond your ability to steer and direct and to open and closed doors. And so I pray for those who are in these areas struggling that you would do that. Father, for those who are battling depression, circumstances that happen in their lives, Lord, maybe marriages and and problems at home. Lord, I, I pray that their eyes would be enlightened and that they would be able to see what you are able to do in their life, right here, right now, that they would not limit Your power, but would step in and lean into this, Lord. And Father, again, we we recognize that the faith that we have in You is seen by the love we have for others. And Father, maybe the first thing that needs to change isn't our way of thinking, but is our way of loving. Lord, help us to love where we've been wounded, where we're gun-shy, where we're a little bit afraid. Lord, may we lean into you in those areas of love. But Father, I pray we all recognize what is available to us because of you tonight. We do thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.